First Timothy chapter five. And if you're like me, have you ever wondered who you should help and who you should not help? That's a tough one, isn't it? Um, Katie, we believe Katie got cursed out this week. Who would curse out sweet Katie? Let's get him. Sweet Katie was at King Supers this week. And she's doing her shopping and she's done shopping and she's putting stuff in the back of the car and here comes a lady with a sign and with a child asking for help. Um, you, you never know when to help, when not to help. There's been times when you do help, there's times when you don't. Katie kindly said no, she refused to help and then the lady got all angry, started to point her finger like this and started to yell in another language. And so we think Katie got cursed out in Romanian. Um, and so that's a first for us. Uh, when, 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 do you, when do you know when to help and when do you know not to help? I was at Sam's, um, this was a couple of years ago, and when gas was really going up and up and up, and I'm at Sam's and, and uh, this truck pulls up next to my car and says, will you let me use the gas nozzle and fill up my car? And it was a big pickup truck, you know, one of those that was going to cost a, a lot of money. And he goes, I left my wallet. I don't have my wallet. Can you help me? And can you help me fill it up? And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't want to give you my gas nozzle, but what I will do is I'll go buy you a, a Sam's card and give you a, a gift card to fill up your, your tank. And then I, I got in my car and I thought to myself, should I have done that? I mean, first of all, at Sam's, you can't get gas unless you have your card. So did he forget his wallet? Maybe I was duped there. Um, I heard of this sweet couple that decided to help somebody with their electric bill. They couldn't pay their bills. And so there was a neighbor there. So they helped them pay their bills only to find out just a little bit later as as you know, they had no money to pay their bills. The, 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 the sweet couple's driving and here comes this family that had no money to pay their bills walking out of a liquor store. Did that help hurt them? Think about that for a moment. Now, I wish that I can solve all the problems we have when it comes to people who ask for help that we would know, like Paul would just say, do this, and then, and then we would know exactly who to help and who not to help. But I do pray that today as we look at this, that we will see in this text that there are times when we help that we're hurting somebody. And God help us to have discernment and not do that one. Look at, look at verse 9 here. I want you to see this in, in verse 9. It says in chapter 5, verse 9, it says, A widow is to be put on the list. Interesting here. This word is found here. It's talking about enrolling a widow or enrolling somebody that needs help on regular support. It's interesting here that Paul, what he's saying in, in verse 9 is that you are to put this person on the list you are to give them regular support, but you are to use discernment in it. In other words, I, I tell people on the tennis team, use your noodles. 
Use your mind. Use discernment here. Not every person that needs help. People think that Christian charity, uh, church charity means entitlement. That everyone's entitled to be helped. That's not true. And so he's saying here in this verse, you need to use your, your, your discernment here. And you need to put them on the list on regular support. Now, here's what's amazing about this. They were to make a commitment. Look at verse 12 for a second. And we're going to get there. They make a pledge to the church. You say, what is the pledge that they're making to the church? They're making a pledge that they're going to stay single and serve the church. Sounds like a nun. By the way, this blew me away. True or false, nuns make money. True. True. Do you know the average salary of a nun in America? $40 an hour. What? Anybody want to be a nun? <laughs> yeah. Good, huh? Wow. You ready for this? The three benefits of being a nun, not only getting an average salary of 40, some make over 70 an hour. 70 an hour. Three benefits of being a nun. You don't have to worry about a husband. You don't have to worry about the children. And you don't have to worry about keeping your house good because you can be out and doing all God's work and you're fine. Wow, think about that. Think about that. They're making a pledge here. I do have a nun joke, but I'm not going to tell it because I told it in the first service and it bombed. <laughs> and now I have a complex about that nun joke. But... I will tell you for free later on after the service. I will tell you the, the joke because it's actually pretty good. But the first service, I don't know if they were asleep or something was going on, but I don't know what happened. But now I got a complex about my nun joke and I really want to tell it. Should I tell it? Yes. You want to really hear it? <laughs> this is going to be a long sermon today. Just sit back. You're living in an apartment and a nun decides to live above you. How do you describe her? As A, someone who earned her way to heaven, B, someone who hates God, or C, none of the above. No? No? Never use it again? How many say never use it again? All right, come to the first service. All right, anyway. Wow, you guys are worse than the first service. Where was I? Verse 9. I don't even know where I am anymore. Verse 9. These are the ones that you put on a regular list, on regular support. Doesn't mean you don't help people short term. This is regular support. They don't have a support system, and, and you are going to help them. Look what he says here. He mentions three qualifications for this in verses 9 and 10. We'll see three things that they need to be. First thing they need to be is no less than how old? 60 years old. You say, why 60? Because back then, when you became 60 years old, you were considered an old person. In fact, they could call you an old man when you got to be 60. Or an old woman when you were 60. 
Another thing about being 60 is usually back then 60 was different than 60 today. 60 is young today. 60 back then was older. And usually when a lady got to 60 years old, she probably wouldn't want to get remarried. There are exceptions now, we hear. Um, Grandma Joy got married at 75. All right, second time. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, if, if I go be with the Lord and Katie wants to marry at 75, I don't know how I would feel if she remarried at 75. I think I would come back and haunt her. I mean, I'd do something to this day, you know what I mean? Actually, it won't bother me at all, sweetie. I'll be up in heaven. I'll be fine. Who is the bum? Anyway, let's go on. Under 60 years old. See, she can't be under 60. Because she, she could make a pledge that she's going to stay single and serve the church. She's not going to have that desire to get remarried and start a family. Look at this next thing. She has been a wife of what? One man. In other words, she's been faithful to her husband. Before he died, obviously. And so she, 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 she loves her husband. She, she was with her husband. She was faithful to her husband. That's the second qualification there. But look at the third. And here's, here's what's interesting here in verse 10. This is not saying what a widow is doing. This is saying what a widow is known for. By the way, this is a great verse in verse 10. If you want to be known for something, if you want at the end of your life to be known, if people talk about you and say this woman was this at the end of her life, this is what you want to be known for. Look at verse 10. This is a, a beautiful verse. It says this, having a reputation. She is known for something. She is known for doing good works. Now, now I, I don't want you to miss this. We are created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. That's the purpose of our lives. And she is known for good works. What good works? Watch these things. He, he asks like a few questions. This is what she's known about. If she has brought up children. In, in other words, this is not just bringing them up physically. This is bringing them up spiritually. It's, it, it's the words used of Mary bringing up the Lord Jesus. How would you like to do that? Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 4. She has a heart for children. Now you say, wait a minute, what if she couldn't have children? Well, back then, if somebody got divorced or somebody died, children were often orphans. So they had plenty of opportunities to care for children. And what he's saying is the first thing that, and, and here's what's amazing, it's the first thing he mentions. Her ministry is at home. She, she, she cares about children. She brings them up. She doesn't just give them birth, but she brings them up physically and spiritually. She is involved in children's lives. She has a heart for children. Uh, I, I remember my, uh, my professor giving me a little, let's see if you can get this riddle. Jeremy, we have two kids. Both of them are Italian, but my wife and I are not Italian. How did that happen? Yeah, you guys got it easy. It took me a little while to figure that one out. They were adopted, and they had a heart for children. He's saying the first thing that she should be known for is she's got a heart for children. Look at the second thing she's known for. She's known for, it says here, opening up her home. She, she has a heart to what? Show hospitality to strangers. Don't miss this. 
It, it, it's, it's easy for a guy to say, hey, why don't you come over our house and hang out with us? It's harder on the wife. Or the cadets, they wrote us, they said, can we sleep over? Yeah, come on over. But who gets the guest room ready? Not me. <laughs> right? I'd say this, I'm going to be in trouble here. But, you know, Katie's got to get the guest room ready. You gotta, it's not easy having people over. And cadets are dirty. <laughs> I won't go in there because they were here in the first service. I could talk about them later. But she has a heart to open up her home to strangers and it's to people you don't even know. Look at this next one. She goes from stinky diapers to stinky feet. Look at this. She washed the saints' feet. You say, what does that mean? She has a heart for the church and for God's people. She's not just has a heart for, for a home and taking care of children and a heart to open up her home to strangers. She has a heart to serve. And let me tell you, Washing the saints' feet. You say, what did that involve? Well, back then we knew they would walk around in sandals. They didn't have Reeboks back then. They would walk around in sandals and they would get their feet dirty and they would walk in the houses and the hostess would do what? Wash the feet. And you know what this is saying? No service was too low for her. She had a heart to serve, whatever it may be. And guess what else here? Look at this. She not only has a humble heart to serve, she not only opens up her house to strangers, she not only cares about children, but look at this. She cares about people in need. Verse, look at this, verse 10. She assisted those in distress, those who are hurting, those who need comfort, those who don't have a support system. She not only cares for her home, she not only cares for the church, she cares for the community. She has a heart for other people. He says, she is known for that. I was thinking through this and I, I, I couldn't, we, we are blessed to have women in our midst that are known for these things. One of them is my mother-in-law. Now she's not here today, so I'm not gaining any brownie points by saying this. But if she's watching, I want you to know I love you. I appreciate being your second uh, favorite uh, son-in-law. She only has two, I'm second. <laughs> But let me tell you about my mother-in-law. Does she love children? You better believe she loves her children. She loves her grandchildren. She loves her in-laws. She loves us. My mother-in-law opens up her home to people. It's amazing what she does. My mother-in-law, there is no service in the church that is too low for her to do. She is a servant of God. And my mother-in-law, I'll tell you, she cares. When people are hurting, she is there comforting, counseling. She cares about others. She is known for these things. He is saying here in verse 10, you want to be known for this. You want to be known as somebody who has maturity, 60 years, over 60 years old, somebody who is faithful to her husband and somebody who is dedicated and devoted. Look at the end of verse 10. Devoted herself to what? Every good work. She made an impact in people's lives. That is a life well lived. You say, what a list. She can almost be a pastor here. I mean, she is faithful to her husband. She, she's all these things. She can almost be a pastor. Almost be a pastor. But you guys all know, and I hope I'm on safe ground here, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, women cannot be what? Pastors. If you don't like that, talk to Paul when you get to heaven. All right? Because he wrote this. But he's saying that she's known for this, and when she's known for this, it is safe to help her. 
when she her heart is on other people, when her heart is for God and benefiting other people, it is safe to put them on regular support and help them. You are not going to do a disservice by helping people like that. But look at this. There are people who you will do a disservice to if you try to help. And don't miss this. Here it is in verse 11. He's going to tell us to be very careful of this God complex that we often have where we think we are helping people when we're actually hurting them. Watch what he says. Look at this in verse 11. Don't miss this. He says, but refuse. In other words, avoid. Don't help here. Don't, 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 you make sure you review. Don't make this person, what he's going to tell us in a second here, don't make this person make a pledge to the church that they're going to stay single and serve the church and you put them on regular support. Don't do this. Don't. He's not saying in this passage that there aren't times that you won't help somebody and, 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 and support every now and then, but he's saying this is regular support, being there, being their support system. Don't do it as a church. To who? Notice what he says. They're still widows. And, and let me just say this. It, they have needs. And, and, and they're going to come. And they say they're going to need help. But he says this. Here's the qualifications. Here's, here's, here's what you need to refuse here. Because when you try to help, you're doing the disservice. We've already seen some widows we should not help. Do you remember last week? Widows who we should not help. Widows who have family near them. Widows that have family near them. We don't want to take the place of that family. The family needs to learn to take care of them. And then we see that there's widows that we saw last week. Widows that live in the flesh. We are not going to help people live in the flesh and dishonor God and support that. I'll never forget what a cop said one time to my mom. She said, do you love your son? Of course I love my son. Do you love your son? Yes, we, I love my son. Stop helping him do drugs. You're supporting his drug habit. Stop it. You don't love him. Watch this here but refuse to put younger widows on the list. Why? You're going to make them make a promise that they can't keep? Look at this in verse 11. When they feel sensual desires. Now, when we look at this in English, we think this is bad desires. These are not bad desires here. These are desires to have a family and a husband. Let me tell you, those are good desires. There is nothing wrong with those God-given desires. He doesn't give it to every woman, but some women do have it. And there's nothing wrong with having a desire to have a family and a husband. Let's be careful. When we make desires that God has given us into sinful desires, they are not sinful desires. If you want to get married and you're single here and you want to have a family, there is nothing wrong with that. That is great. Now, here's the problem. Some people have these desires and those desires outweigh their devotion to Christ. And so they're willing to sin and do anything they can to get that desire and they forget about Christ. Let me give you a couple of examples of that. 
There's this one girl who lives in Parker that we know of her family. She has this desire to get married. She's a young lady. She's in her 20s. And she lives at home waiting to find a husband. You know what I tell that person? Go get a job and live your life. Don't stop life waiting to find a husband. What if God never provides one? And yet she stopped there. So some people stop life until God gives them that desire. Other people, the other extreme, they don't stop life. They do anything they can to fulfill that desire. As long as that person has a heartbeat, they'll get married. And so it doesn't matter if they love God. doesn't matter if they go to church. doesn't matter if they're serving God. All that matters is that they'll say yes. And so their desire to get married outweighs their desire to please God. And they marry bad. Watch what happens in this passage. It says this, refuse the younger widow when they feel those sensual desires. And look what happens. In disregard of Christ, God doesn't matter. The red flags don't matter. Nothing matters except them wanting to get married. And they'll do anything they can to do it. I'm going to get married. I don't care what you say, what God says, what anyone says. I'm going to get married. And they wound up marrying an unbeliever. And here's what happens. Look at verse 12. They're incurring what? Condemnation. You know why they're incurring condemnation? Because they vowed to stay single and they vowed to serve the church. But now they're saying, I don't want that vow anymore. I want to get married. They, it would have been better off if they never vowed anything. We've made them go against their word. And then look at this here. They have set aside their what? Previous pledge. In other words, these are people who were devoted to God. These were people who went before the church and said, I'm going to serve God and stay single. And these are the same people that marry an unbeliever. It is sad. I've seen it. You may have seen it. You've seen people who love the Lord. Lady Nancy in, in Argentina. What a wonderful lady. Her husband was 59 when he died. Loved the Lord. Jose loved the Lord. We went back to Argentina in 2022. He said, how is Nancy doing? We find out that Nancy's not going to church. Nancy's not reading her Bible. And Nancy is dating an unbeliever. Here is somebody who is devoted to God. But her desires to want to have a family and get married and be with somebody have what? Outweighed, somebody's kid is, outweighed his desire for a beeper. Desire for Christ. All right, now watch this next one. When does, when does helping hurt? Look at this next one here. This is amazing. Verse 13. So the church decides to give full support to this person and be a support system. And then what is the church teaching this person? To ignore their God-given responsibilities. Watch this here. First they tell them to ignore their God-given desires, and now they're telling them to ignore their God-given responsibility. This is a beautiful... Look at this verse 13. At the same time, they also... And don't miss this next word. What does it say? They also what? Learn. Learn. We teach people... To be irresponsible. We teach people that it, work doesn't matter. 
To not be responsible, that God didn't create you to work, that just to be lazy, just to have time on your hands. Let me just tell you something. We live in a world that teaches people not to work, to, to just get everything they can from other people, whether it be the government or family or you name it. And they're learning that hard work is useless. My son, I thank the Lord that he got the Daniels Fund, and we are so blessed. They made an agreement with them. We're going to pay like 95%, but you need to work. You need to do this, keep your grades up, and you need to do, you know, and you need to put a certain amount of money towards it. They wrote him this year. They say, we're no longer making that agreement with you. Here's what they said. Ready for this? You no longer have to worry about any money. We're going to pay it all for you. Now, as a parent, what am I thinking? Woohoo! But I'm thinking this too. Wait a minute. They're teaching my son, you don't need to work. We'll just take care of it. That is a dangerous place to be. The government is teaching us, you don't need to work. We'll take care of you. There are family members teaching their other family members, you don't need to work. I'll take care of you. And we're doing a disservice to them. In fact, they're learning to be idle. Do you know what happens when somebody is idle? Not only do they lose their zeal for God, not only do they lose their zeal for work. Are you ready for this? They lose their zeal for themselves. They say that idleness is one of the leading causes of depression. They got too much time on their hands. They got, they got too much time. And you say, so what's wrong with having too much time on your hands? Watch what happens here. There is nothing more dangerous than having too much time on your hands. Look at this here. Look at this in verse 13. Watch what happens. They learn to be idle and guess what they do? They go around from house to house. Instead of opening up their house, they're out doing visitation. They're on the visitation team. And when they get to your house, oh, they got some juicy stories to tell you. Look what it says. They go from house to house, and what are they doing? They're gossips. They're slandering. They're saying all kinds of things they ought not to say about people. I mean, they've been on Facebook for the last 12 hours. They got some stories. Did you hear so-and-so is dating now? Really? Well, yeah, but I saw it on Facebook. Did you hear about this? So-and-so is that? Or so-and-so is that? And so-and-so. And they're just idle. They have all the time in the world to go search and get into other people's business. Look at this here in verse 13. They're not only gossips, they're busy bodies. They're literally in other people's business. Why? They have no business. They're not doing anything themselves. And so they're in other people's business. They, and they talk about these things they should not be talking about. They don't mention it. So, but they're going from house to house because the church is just giving them the money and teaching them to be lazy. And it's a downward spiral. They start with not understanding that God has created them to work. In fact, Abigail asked for a book, and I got her this book on, you know, now that you're a teenager, congratulations. Chapter 2 says this, get to work. Work. It's important to work. It's not talking about getting a paid job. It's talking about doing something, serving, doing something, work. 
And look what he says here. He says they go down this, we're teaching them, we're doing a disservice to them because we're, we're supporting them, we're teaching them to be idle and have time and to speak things they ought not to speak and to get into other people's business. You say, what's the solution? Verse 14, I love this. Three things. Bing, 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 bing. Here's the solution. You ready for this? I love this passage. By the way, you're going to learn things in this passage that are not anywhere else in the Bible. There are words here that are nowhere else in the Bible. And I hope to hear some amens from men here. I don't know if I am, but watch this here. Look at this here. Verse 13, it says, these are the things. Verse 14, here's what it says. Here's the solution. I want younger women to do what? Get married. Now, be careful. I'll say this. Marry the right person. She will make you or break you. Or he will make you or break you. Unbeliever, don't even pray about it. If, you, if, you, if you're interested in an unbeliever, I would say this to a single. Pray to get saved. That's how you can pray. But don't even think about pray, marrying that person. That's not God's will. We know it clear in the Bible. Get married. Get a husband. Take care of him. I keep Katie busy. I keep her off of Facebook. Amen. <laughs> She's got to take care of this baby. It ain't easy work. <laughs> Look at the next thing. What she says. Don't only get married. What else does she say, he say to do? Bear children. Some people say, but what if they can't? Well, there are other options out there. But I'll tell you this, you're not going to have much time on your hands. I mean, I think about Adrian all day. What, what is he all day? What is Adrian doing all day? Just sitting with, on Facebook all day? I mean, they have four kids. And Cameron, he, he wasn't too smart. He didn't stagger them out. He had them like, he's <laughs> got you know, he's like, bing, 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 I'm like, Cameron. And I'm the one to talk. Katie was pregnant five times in our first six years of marriage. But anyway, we won't go there. But, you know, bing, 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 bing. What does a wife do with bing, 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 bing all day? You know, I mean, you think about it. You know, the conversation's here, you know, and this and that, and changing the diaper here and moving on. They're busy. They're not, I don't know, I wonder who's dating today. Bear children. Not only dealing physically with children, but spiritually with children. That's a lot of work. And I love this last one. Look at this. This is so beautiful. This is only found here in the Bible. It is one Greek word. I love this. It, it, what does it say? Keep house. That doesn't really bring out what the word means. You know what the word means? It's oiko, which is house. Despot, which is lord. In other words, she is the lord of the house. She runs it. Amen. I don't get any amen from women here. She manages the affair. Watch out, man. You don't walk in there. I'm the man of the house. She is the manager of the house. You don't mess with that. She is managing the affairs. I know I get some amen. Managing the affairs. I didn't have one man shake my hand after the service, the first service. But anyway, the man in the house. There are oikos despots, lords of the house. Managing the affair. You know what? You know what he's saying here? Is that her mind is occupied on how to manage the house and manage the affairs and, and, and doing the things there. She doesn't have time to be going from house to house to house doing all these things. She's managing her own. She's the Lord of the house. <laughs> what a word there. 
You say, why is that important? Look at this. So it says here in the verse, so that she gives the enemy no occasion for reproach. It's a, it's a military word. There is no base of operation. In other words, they don't have a base of operation to talk evil about a church that is enabling people to do things that God doesn't want them to do. And you know what? Some people look at this verse and they say women were looked down on so much during Jesus' day and Paul's day. Look at this verse. God puts such worth on a woman. The impact that she could make and the job that he wants her to do. This is a great one. By the way, this is a great verse to give. It's verse 14. The 14th, you can give this to your husband. Here's what I am. You say, why is this important? Verse 15 just rips our hearts apart. You know why? Because there's some already turned aside to follow who? There's some that think that a woman is less if she raises children. There's some that think that they don't have any worth if they decide, hey, I want a husband that's, and, and I want a family and all that. No, no, you're just ruining your career. You're ruining your life. And they make them feel like they're worse off if they live a life like that. And so what do they do? They decide to just forget about that, live their own life, and they follow who? Satan. This is serious. This is sad. This is letting the world tell us the God-given roles for our lives. And let me tell you something, and we don't think about this. When we help people that we shouldn't be helping, we are helping them to follow Satan. We are enabling them to follow Satan. God help us. So look what he says. Here's another solution here in verse 16. If any woman who has a believer has dependent widows, in other words, if, if, if she's a believer and there are people in her family that do not have a support system, here's what she ought to do in verse 16. She ought to assist them. She ought, she ought to be part, she ought to, she ought to try to help them. So what? What does it say in verse 16? That the church must not be burdened. In other words, we got to be careful putting ourselves in the place of God. That's hard. Because we don't know who to help. I, uh, when I worked FedEx, I would go take the subway to work in New York City. And I would go up the stairs of this and then get on the train. And as I would go up the stairs, I would see this guy there. And I'll never forget, this guy had these red legs. His legs were all red because the circulation wasn't going. And he was a Jew. You could smell the alcohol on him. He, he drank and then he just laid there. He couldn't even walk. And he would, he would lay there. And, and when he would get up, he'd be stumbling all over the place. But, you know, he couldn't really take care of himself. And I would walk by him. And I'd, every day I would walk by him and I'd feel bad because he'd ask for money. But I didn't want to give him money. So here I am, a single guy. I would make myself sandwiches, and I made two sandwiches, one for me and one for him. And I'd walk by and give him a sandwich, give him a sandwich. I'd walk by, give him a sandwich. Well, one day I'm coming home from work. It's 11 o'clock at night, and I'm on the train, and here he is, stumbling on the train. And he goes, hey, man, you got five hours? 
I said, I'm not giving you five dollars. Can you have five dollars, please? Five dollars. I'm not giving you five dollars. Why do you call yourself a Christian? He starts yelling at me. You're a Christian, you won't even give me five dollars. Now people on the train are starting to look at us. And then he did this, and I'll never forget. And those sandwiches you give me. They are the driest sandwiches I've ever eaten in my life. I wouldn't feed your sandwiches to my enemies. He's making fun of my sandwiches. I'm sitting here, I'm dying. I, I mean, the train was dying laughing. They couldn't believe this guy. He's all drunk, he's making fun of my sandwiches. He's all mad that I wouldn't give him five dollars. The next day I see him, he's there. He, he, he's sober. He goes, I'm sorry, pal. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to yell at you last night. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have asked for five dollars. I said, do you want one of my sandwiches? <laughs> I said, I'm going to give you one of my sandwiches, but you will never make fun of my sandwiches again. He says, okay, pal. Thank you, pal. And I gave him one of my sandwiches. They were the driest sandwiches you would ever eat. I mean, I was single. I didn't put any mustard or mayonnaise on them. They were dry. But my heart went out to him. How can it not? Was I doing him a disservice by feeding him every day? We just don't know. So let me give you just a couple of things here, and we're going to end here, that came out of a great book that says, When Helping Hurts. And here's what he says. Four things to ask yourself before you give a handout. Number one, is there really a crisis at hand? Think about that for a moment. Is this a crisis? Or is this just something that they, they, they want? Remember my brother saying, tell the church to buy me a van. No, you don't need a van, John. No, I need a van. I got kids. I need a van. Tell them to buy me a van. Is this a crisis at hand? If it's a crisis, let your heart go out and, and give relief. Next one is, to what degree is the person responsible for the crisis? Now, we need compassion here. Don't go up to somebody and say, oh, you can't pay your bills? It's because you don't work, you lazy bum. We're not giving you nothing. No. But to what extent is the person responsible for the crisis? Remember, we don't want to take away their God-given responsibility. And so we want to make sure that we're helping in the right way. Third thing is, can the person help himself or herself? If the person can help themselves or herself, we've got to be careful. You know, a lot of mission trips, we make, the, we make the mistake of going down there and being God to them. Like we can save the world. These people can help themselves. And then number four, and this one's really incredible when you think about it. To what extent has this person already received help? In other words, what stop are you on the train? In other words, what he's saying there is this, is how many other people are helping them and what number are you? Be careful with that. Because they're going from church to church to church to church and they come here, oh, we need help, we need gas and all that. Like, oh, fine, we'll help you with gas. But then we find out this church helped them and that church helped and this church helped. What stop are we on the train? Because all we're doing is enabling them to be what God doesn't want them to be. And so I'm here to say there are 
needs that we meet. And when we don't know, and there's things that we don't know when we meet somebody on the street, here's my advice to them. When in doubt, err on the side of generosity. Let your heart go out to them. Cash, be careful with that. But let your heart go out to them. It may be the only meal they have all day. It may be the only smile they see. It may be the only person that stopped and said something to them. Air on generosity. But be careful about playing God. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father, we are filled, we're in a world filled with needs. It is so hard to know which ones to help and which ones to not help. Sometimes our hearts go out and we, we help and then we do a disservice because we're not teaching that person responsibility that you want to teach them. Or we're enabling them to live an idle life that doesn't please you. So God, I pray that you help us. You help us, Lord, to have wisdom and discernment. When Paul gives instructions to this church, he says, when you put these people on the list, you have wisdom and discernment. You don't just put any widow on the list. You make sure that you do your homework. That she's known as someone who has maturity, she has age, she has also she's been faithful to her husband, somebody who is known for making a benefit, who is God-centered because she is family-centered and she is church-centered and she is community-centered. She thinks about her own family, she thinks about strangers and she thinks about those in the church and in the community. She cares about others. God, help us not to do a disservice by helping people to forget about what you've created them for. And then that leads down the spiral of doing things that don't please you. And God, I pray the desires that we have would be desires that would honor you and that we would want to fulfill them in a way that honors you. Lord, I pray for every single in this church. That, God, you give them discernment and wisdom with their future mate. That they don't just settle for somebody who doesn't know you. That, Lord, that they're picky in a good way. That the most important thing would be that person knows and has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that they care about the things of God. Lord, I pray that you would protect those who are single here. Father, I, I pray, Lord, that our desire would be to serve the church. Lord, not to be recognized for it, but just to do it, and that no service would be too low for us. And then, God, my final prayer here today is that, Lord, I pray you would give us a heart for others that we would see needs, Lord, and that we would err on the side of generosity. There may be times we have to say no, that's okay. 
but that, Father, that our hearts would be moved and that we would see people in their need and say, here we are to help, but not only meet a physical need, but point them to the greatest thing that we can point them to, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name and for his glory. Amen. All right, well, normally we'd be done.